Welcome back to the weekly Trusted Visions podcast. I'm very grateful that the team is back together, um, all of us, for, for this podcast. A lot of advisors talk about the different channels, the wirehouse channel, the bank and financial institution channel, the independent channel, and you hear a lot of, of talk and rumblings about the RIA channel. And so we figured with our 100 years of experience collectively that let's dive into it. Um, and this month's topic is going to cover a breakdown of each of those individual channels. And not saying that one channel is better than the other by any means. There's, there's a fit for every advisor. And some of those advisors, the wirehouse model is a perfect fit. Some of those advisors, the other channels are the perfect fit. So I figured what we'll do is this week, we're going to start off with the wirehouse or captive channel, so to speak, um, and really dive into the advantages and disadvantages. So team, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, Deb, we're going to start off with you um, because you're the best looking one on the entire team anyway. Uh, we're going to start off with you on the Wirehouse channel talking about some of the advantages. I mean, I know we can't cover in this short of a period all, ever, all the advantages and disadvantages. Speak to, from your experience, some of the advantages of going into a Wirehouse or being part of a Wirehouse. Thanks, Jeremy, and uh, I love this topic. So, uh, and and being in the wirehouse, I started out in a wirehouse, and so from the advantages standpoint, I think clearly a couple of things that that strike me right away. Right, if you're if you're a younger advisor, you're someone that wants to get into the business. That channel clearly has you know some fantastic opportunities. Right, so not only the training um, that you get to come in with, right, and getting getting trained into the into the industry um, by some really good experts, um, being able to learn some structure um, in in the industry and kind of get your feet wet. Um, There's also the advantage now, I would say probably more than when I came into it, of joining a team, right? I mean, so rather than having to come into the business and start, you know, cold calling and, and doing all the dialing, which Nowadays, a lot of times you can't, you really have an opportunity of coming in with some of these these teams that are part and joining with them, um, getting a small salary, let's say, right? So there's a little bit of difference of being coming into a a wirehouse more than an independent um, as far as being able to get a salary and the benefits and kind of grow your business while until you have to start full on commission, right? So again, the training aspect of it, I think joining a team, um, just getting your feet wet in the industry is, is an advantage for a newer person coming into, you know, into the industry. If, if you are already, you know, in a wirehouse, you know, I mean, look, there's, like you said, there's, there's things about every channel, not every advisor, is an entrepreneur, right? I mean, that's just the basic, you know, that's just the way that it is. Not every advisor has, an, you know, has a desire, if you will, to have to hire and pay the bills and go out and shop and find office space and all of that. Again, it takes, you know, there's there's a place for everyone. And so for the advisor that doesn't have that inclination, that wants to be able to come in and flip a switch on and go to work, and not have any of the headaches. Um, I think that's a clear advantage. And, and over the years, 
you know, I mean, I have, you know, friends in the industry and it's no desire whatsoever to go out into the independent, you know, side of things, right? It's just, they like, they like coming in and going to work and not having to worry with the headaches about everything else. So that's a, a clear advantage. Um, so that's just kind of a, a few that I think in my experience has always kind of struck me as the main things, if you will. And so I guess one question, and I'm going to pitch it off to Sean just to, to you know, jumble it around a little bit is sure. we hear this a lot of an advisor wants to go to one of those major wirehouses for brand or name recognition. What What is your opinion of brand recognition for an advisor, whether they're starting out or already in the business? Well, you know, in my opinion, this just from experience. The brand recognition aspect typically fades away, you know, after you start really building your practice. I'd say within three to five years. As Deb, as Deb mentioned early on, it could be a benefit because it does establish the trust with clients. But but once you start to establish a practice, whether you're in wirehouse channel, bank channel, independent channel, those relationships are with you. Uh-huh. you know, those clients are going to start buying into you more so than the firm. So I think early on, absolutely. But as you progress in your career, not as much. I appreciate that, Sean. And then so David, now we're going to flip it over to you now that Deb's covered some of the advantages. Um, And again, we're not going into complete depth with this. Otherwise, we'd be doing a three-hour podcast for each channel and people would tune out. So we're speaking more high level. But David, some of the disadvantages of being with the wirehouse. Uh, you bet. Um, when you're kind of looking at some of the disadvantages, of course, the, the first one that comes right out is payouts. When you look at payouts, your payouts are going to be structured a lot differently in, in the wirehouse arena for the simple fact because of some of the advantages of having your office, having your office space, having an assistant, having uh, the capability of not having to manage that business, your payouts are going to be a little bit lower because somehow they've got to basically pay for that. So you're going to find out that the payouts are going to be a little bit lower. And you may have some limitations when it comes to some programs and some products that may not be available because they're a little bit more structured and they've really pretty much got their lineup of what they want you to sell and how they basically put it into play, whether they're really big into the financial planning side of it, whether they're really big on the advisory side of the business, they're going to push you in the direction of really that firm is where their best uh, foot is forward in, in those particular situations. And, and one of the other disadvantages is sometimes products and payouts can change on a pretty quick basis uh, for a, a situation where, you know, direct direct accounts, things like that, they, they can make changes pretty quickly and that could affect your book of business as you're building that up. So you lose a little bit of control of deciding which direction you want to go if they decide they want to kind of make a directional change and you kind of got to go with the flow. Right. And then, you know, as, as much as one of the big advantages of having brand recognition, one of the disadvantages is now you, after that third or fourth year, once you figure out you can do this business, you're very good at it, uh, now you've got competition. You know, not only do you have local competition with other advisors, but now you also have competition with your branch and uh, the other associates who are there because there's, there's more than one financial advisor working with that organization, probably pretty close regionally or in your individual city or or, our county. So you will run into some competition with that same brand recognition. When they look up that brand, they may see 12 different advisors and how do you separate yourself (laughs) uh, to basically get those clients on that side. And then goals. 
goals are a big part of where we see the biggest frustration is they set you up with a goal. You do extremely well. Your goal changes sometimes very quickly, could be on a quarterly basis. So you do a really good job and the goals change. And in some cases, some advisors are forced out because of the, uh, the goals that they've set. Uh, they change the they change a little bit of the finish line. And so it's pretty important, even on the wirehouse side, if you feel like you're you're doing well, you're doing great, you should still have a plan B. We talk about that a lot. Uh, but it's the same thing on that side of it, because they could change a goal and it can push you out of the business pretty quickly, or it could change a lot of your payouts. If they if you don't make your goal, and in some cases they may structure your payouts and some other disadvantages that go along with that. So you just got to be wary of that um, and you lose some of the control. And the other disadvantages we talk about all the time is ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the wirehouses, you have the availability to really, you know, build your own book of business. But in some cases, and, you know, we'll probably go into more detail about that. I think that you're going to cover that one, Jeremy. But uh, ownership is something you definitely want to take a look at your individual book of business and what it what it looks like if you decide to make a move and move away from a wirehouse. Uh, what's that going to look like? And could that be a huge disadvantage mm-hmm. for you after you've already established kind of your book of business. Right. <clears throat> and David, one topic, because we've seen this a lot in the press over the last, it's it's settled down quite a bit lately, but over the last 18 months or so, limitations in the wirehouse channel of size of clients you can work with. Um, can you speak a little bit to, to that and whether you see that as an advantage or a disadvantage? Absolutely. And it's, just, it's that same disadvantage of products and payouts and they control the structure. So if they decide that there's a segment of the business um, that they want to change, whether it's direct to funding clients, things like that, they can make a change of saying, okay, well, now we've, we're going to continue to push the upper echelon of getting higher net worth clients in the door. And we want you to work on those. And they could easily segment, segment your business and take away any client that has less than $250,000 in investable assets and move them to a call center or some other agreement, even though you know they're not making as much money, that could be a huge uh, hit for you uh, as a financial advisor getting in this business if you lose 30% of the, the bottom end of your book. Uh, it's still a substantial point, uh, a point when it comes to the profitability of trying to you know, make sure your clients are served, but they, they make those changes quite a bit where they start saying, okay, we're going to segment this out a little bit. You're no longer going to be servicing as a clients. We're going to take those clients and we're going to serve them through a call center. Yeah, agreed. And, and like you had said, I think mm-hmm. you, you see a lot of successful advisors that have built a successful practice through working with the mother and father, the grandfather and grandmother and the grandmother or grandfather want them to work with their children and their grandchildren and, and there's limitations there. And so it, it, I've heard a lot of advisors say it puts a strain on their relationships with their clients because they got to turn them away. So appreciate that, David. Sean, I'm going to hand this one over to you. I think this is probably the funnest one of, of all four of these topics. Um, <laughs> it, with, with everything that Deb and David said about advantages and disadvantages, in your mindset, when you consider the payouts and the pricing and limitations, when is the right time for an advisor to either look at a plan B of going to an independent broker dealer or a semi-independent broker dealer or explore going out on their own? I, I know there's several firms out there that have over the last 12, 24 months rolled out platforms on the independent channel where it's really not independent and you still have the freedom 
of being independent, but you have the freedom of not having to run the business and the payouts are higher. So thoughts, opinions on that? Sure, sure. What's interesting is that many of uh, my talking points, Dave just mentioned. <laughs> he just referenced. <laughs> so what I wanted to do here is just really um, you know, give you my feedback from experience. So, so I spent several years at a firm that specifically concentrated and targeted recruiting wirehouse advisors. And most of those advisors eventually you know, joined the independent platform. Um, there were several reasons <laughs> that prompted them to consider their change um, and eventually make the change from the wirehouse environment. Number one is definitely the compensation changes. So every year, most wirehouses, uh, you know, firms release their new compensation plan. And it serves as the holy grail for, for the next year as to how they're going to earn their livelihoods, no matter how successful you were, no matter how unsuccessful you were, the changes were more than likely going to impact, you know, your livelihood. One of the major changes um, Dave mentioned, and this has been occurring for probably the past, I would say, five to seven years, is wirehouse firms are looking closely at how how much, if if anything, they're going to pay you on smaller accounts. Mm-hmm. The threshold is seemingly starting to become that proverbial two hundred and fifty thousand, where any household account that you have with that amount or less, you're not going to get paid on. And that has subsequently uh, you know, prompted some um, frustration with many of these wirehouse advisors. The, the product hurdles and, and, and uh, grids that Dave mentioned, you know, and these hurdles could be anything. If you're working with a bank, kind of bank-driven wirehouse environment, you have some of your goals which have mortgages included. Um, so you become, you know, a mortgage broker, you know, but not by, you know, your choice, <laughs> because the firm is mandating you to do so. And having that sense of just not knowing how you're going to be paid, what your goals are going to be, you know, prompted some of those conversations I had uh, with those wirehouse advisors. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, another element or aspect to that is the captive culture, you know, not having the ability to offer that diverse uh, suite of products, no freedom on how to conduct your business with all the product requirements. And here are a few, few items that may not be discussed on a, on a widespread um, notion, but many of the advisors I spoke with who made the change from the wirehouse to the independent often, oftentimes cited the office politics. You know, um, I've worked with advisors who have left a major wirehouse and went independent because they had a terrible branch manager. And they oftentimes complained about the branch manager. So that just having that branch manager functionality is huge in a wirehouse setting. Um, I've had advisors leave because of the uh, advisor colleagues uh, that they work with. You know, to Dave's point, where you know someone call in, uh, you know, looking for an advisor with twelve advisors, and you have bad colleagues who take the business. Um, you know, some advisors have been mandated. And I'm talking experienced advisors are mandated to come in at eight a.m and not leave until 8 p.m., regardless of their business schedule. And I've had advisors move for that reason. So I definitely would say if I had to drill it down, it's, it's the compensation aspect of it, and then the culture that really had, for, from my experience, helped me successfully recruit away from the wirehouse uh, you know, channel. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that, Sean. And, and Deb, so I'm going to 
piggyback to you, as, as I mentioned, you know, you, you've had several of these independent broker dealers roll out what we would call a semi-independent channel within their broker dealer, where they'll build out the office space. They'll give you the quote unquote wirehouse type of upfront paychecks Mm -hmm. and higher payouts and hire your staff. In your opinion, is that a good, you know, bridge way when those advisors from the wirehouse are going to move rather than going all the way independent and running their own business? Is that a good stepping stone for them? Or what are your thoughts on that platform that's really started to get in traction over the last, I would call it 18, 36 months? Oh, it's absolutely a a fantastic option. You know, right, Jeremy? I mean, it is. It's just a way for those advisors to not have to go through all the hassle of finding office space, hiring anybody, right? They can go. And again, and that's a big cultural shift, even though it's one they're looking at doing from going to being in that setting to fully independent, right? And there's a lot of advisors. Well, I'm not... I'm exaggerating. There's a good number of advisors that that's where they run into the issue is making that that bridge right from going full on wirehouse to the full independent. This really helps elevate that success ratio of them being able to to make that change by going into this incubator space or bridge, as you called it, right, where you can make that transition or evolve if and when you're ready, right? So you can, you know, typically these hybrid pl- programs that are offering the the semi, you know, the semi-independent, if you will, that we're talking about, um, they still have higher payouts typically than going from the wirehouse, right? So the advisor can still make more money, still be in, you know, kind of have all the bells and whistles, um, but be moving more towards the independent. And if and when they're ready, then they can move on to that that full independent platform. So, you know, those firms that are that are doing that, that have the more employee to the hybrid, you know, semi-independent to full independent. Um, I mean, that's that's really a great business model, right? Because it really does cover all aspects um, for an advisor, and it's your and it's choice, right? It, it's it's again comes back to um, choice. So I think it's a excellent, fantastic platform and opportunity, and and definitely growing. And where a lot of of advisors are are shifting to those kind of platforms, those firms. Appreciate that, Deb. And, and to your point, Sean, I mean, we've all recruited a lot of wirehouse advisors throughout our careers. And to your point, we've seen the majority of them be successful, make that transition to independence. We've, we've all, I'm confident we've all seen some that have been non-successful making that leap. And I think what it always came down to, and I remember speaking to an advisor, he was part of my church back in Arizona, uh, his wife asked me, how do we know if he's going to be successful? And I said, look, you're, you're accustomed to that eight to five schedule. And if you're not in the office at eight o'clock, someone's pounding on your door, you know, calling you and going independent, you don't have Papa Bear or Mama Bear, you know, calling you saying, Sean, where are you at? Why are you not at work? And so what happens is some advisors take that independence to the next level of, hey, now I can pick and choose my own schedule. So I'm going to take Wednesday off. Well, now I'm going to take Wednesday off. Now I'm going to work half day Thursday. And that's where the success rate quickly dwindles. So with that, I'm going to switch to the topic. And, and it's the team's fault that they gave me this one um, because th- this is the least fun topic, but I'm sure a lot of our audience has questions about 
the non-compete, non-solicits, um, and ownership of clients when you're moving from a wirehouse to, to another channel. I will preface, I'm not an attorney. If you're looking to make a move, I, I strongly encourage you to, to get legal advice from an attorney. This is strictly my opinion, so don't take this as legal advice. Um, but to all of your points, yes, if you're making that move from wirehouse to one of the other channels, there are things to consider. And, you know, your non-compete, non-solicits, the wirehouse firms have done a great job of crafting those and putting verbiage in there that makes it very difficult to make that move successfully. And so you've got to plan that, unlike making a move from independence to independence, you know, it, it takes a lot more planning and working with an attorney um, of, of making that move, what client data you can take, um, if any, if you can contact your clients, um, you know, my, my saying has always been a client's with you. If you've done your job, a client is with you because of the relationship they have with you. Most clients don't even know what a broker dealer is. And so making sure you dot your I's and cross your T's and plan accordingly. And, you know, when you're speaking to clients, giving them your cell phone versus your office number, um, you know, so that they know where to contact you, because let's all be honest, and we've seen this, when an advisor leaves a wirehouse, the hounds get let out of there's five or 10 advisors calling your clients. And I've, I've heard horror stories of, you know, some, what some of these advisors say to your clients of you're barred from the industry or you got hit by a car or whatever. Um, so, you know, my point in the non-compete non-solicit is make sure you have a copy of your non-compete non-solicit, make sure that you meet with an attorney to, you know, understand what you can and can't do work with and, and we have several advisors that have made the the successful transition from wirehouse to independence there's one that went through a two-year legal battle um, with the wirehouse firm that, that he or she left um, work with firms like trusted visions to talk to people like that that have had those experiences because it keeps you out of harm's way so with that anything to add team before we wrap this week's podcast up of, of the wirehouse channel. Okay. Well, hope everybody enjoys the, this month's topic. Please feel free to comment on our LinkedIn page. If you have questions, contact us at info at trustedvisions.com. Or if you'd like to schedule a consultation with one of us um, to just learn about a plan B and you know, what, what we think is a good move for you and understand your needs, go to trustedvisions.com. Right on the front page, there is a scheduled consultation. Team, thank you very much. Look forward to next week's topic and uh, have a great week.